You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Did you enjoy all 18 of those degrees this morning? I hear we're only going to get 10 of them tonight, is what I'm understanding. Wow, it's cold, isn't it? Um, I hope you had a great Christmas. We did, and we missed being with you last week. Um, Annette and I have a gift to share. We found out uh, that we are going to be grandparents. That's right, our Morgan, no, I'm just teasing, our Brittany is going to have a baby, and we're excited and celebrating. I'm just messing with you a little bit there, but it's going to be great. Everybody that I tell we're going to be grandparents, you know what they immediately do? They grab their phone and start showing me pictures of their grandkids. So now I'm just going to make that announcement in public where I'm the only one with a microphone from this point forward. You know. We got to be with our Brit for three nights and her husband Tim, and on Sunday morning we got up and we went to Springdale which is the church we had pastored for 10 years prior to moving here. And it was awesome seeing people again. And and it was really a time to be reflective for me uh, throughout the day and the next day or so. Um, It was difficult leaving people that we have come to love so deeply and become such a part of our lives. But seeing them again was like we hadn't missed a beat. And there was a lot of reflection, too, about God moving us from there, but bringing us to a wonderful church like this. I'm just going to say it, okay? We like you guys. We're commanded to love you. That was never in question. The Lord says, you know, love one another. But, I mean, we like you. We like being around you. Lane, I like you, man. Um, Eric, I like you a lot. Thank you for loving me. Love you guys. Tim, Elizabeth, all of you over here. Mike, you guys. Just, I'm telling you, to walk this faith journey with you and to think, I, I must be the most blessed pastor in all the world to get to pastor a church like this. I was at a funeral yesterday hearing about Helen Sylvie's life. And, and as I sat in the back and people walked out, I was sitting by a guy named Lowell. And I looked over to him as these people were passing me, just hundreds of people. And I said, man, there's some of the greatest people in the world at this church. This is an incredible place. And to think that I get to walk this faith journey with you and that we can grow together and learn from one another and lift each other up in this journey... I am a blessed, blessed man. When I think about a new year of 2014, uh, I don't have any idea what God is going to do in us and through us. He is going to surprise us, as Mikkel said in her prayer, and I'm very excited to see what God is going to do in this coming year. So I want to talk about this coming year a little bit and just understanding our purpose as believers, okay? Um, I I remember when I was a college student, I was a junior, I was in my dorm room one morning, And I remember dealing with this issue of, I want to clearly understand my purpose in life. God, I believe you made me. I believe that I do not exist without meaning or without purpose. Just help me to understand clearly what what my purpose is. And I remember an old song coming to my mind. And the words to the song are these, I am thine, O Lord. And I've heard thy voice, and it told thy love to me, how I long to rise in the arms of faith and be closer drawn to thee. And I remember tears just dropping off my cheeks, and I began to say to the Lord, this is my purpose, I'm yours. Whatever you want of me, that, that's, that's my purpose in life. I'll be who you want me to be, I'll do what you want me to do, I'll go where you want me to go. I will live my life to know you, and to love you, and to serve you, and to honor you. God, I am yours, that is my purpose. And so as you look at me this morning, 
you realize that your life is not without meaning. That your life is not without purpose. God created you. He made you and He put you here. And He put you here with purpose. And that purpose is to know Him and to love Him and to obey Him and to honor Him and to serve Him with your life. So here, here's where we're really struggling. And I think this is the question you've got to deal with. Do you understand that that's your purpose? And is your purpose being realized today in your life? I I, I realize that we have been in the Gospel of Luke for several weeks, but I want to go back there. And uh, and I want to take you to chapter 2, verse 41. What, What Luke does, unlike Matthew, who jumps from Jesus' birth to his adult life, and when we first encounter Jesus in Mark's Gospel and John's Gospel, we see him as an adult as well. What Luke does is he gives us this snapshot of Jesus at the age of 12. And we get three small paragraphs starting with verse 41. And so Luke says, now Mary and Joseph moved back to Nazareth to raise Jesus. And we know there was a short stay in Egypt for their own safety before they got back to Nazareth. But Jesus grew in statue and wisdom and in the grace of God. And then we get to verse 41, okay? And so here's what I want to share with you. You ready? Here we go. Put the words on the screen. Luke chapter 2, if you want to open your Bible and hold it open in your lap, feel free to do that. Start with verse 41. So every year, Jesus' parents went to Jerusalem. So why did they go to Jerusalem every year? Well, to celebrate the festival of the Passover. Okay. So when he was 12 years old, they went up to the festival according to the custom. We'll talk about the custom in a minute. And after the festival was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But they were not aware of it. They were not aware that he had stayed back in Jerusalem. So thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends, obviously at nighttime. And when they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. So after three days, a day thinking he was with them, a day back to Jerusalem, and then the next day, After three days, they found him in the temple courts. He was sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everybody who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. He was only 12. And so when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why? Why, Mom? Why were you searching for me? Didn't you know I had to be about my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. And then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. Are there any parents in the room who would like us to read this verse again? Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So this is Family Worship Sunday. Lots of kids in the room. Mom and dad are saying, so if you want to be like Jesus, you need to be obedient to your parents. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and statue and in favor with God and man. So this is God's word for us today. 
I, I had a friend named James who um, had a disease called Friedrich's ataxia. When he was 11 years old, he went into his first wheelchair and never really walked again. They told his parents he would probably die by the time he was 16 or 17. But somehow James kept beating the odds and, and he kept living. In fact, he was in his late 20s or maybe 30 or 31 when he died. And I remember in those 10 years that I knew James well, he was almost obsessed with the question, Pastor Rick, why do you think God keeps me here? Why do you think God lets me live? I mean, obviously there's a reason for it, right? Obviously he has a reason for letting me live. So, so what is that reason? And what is his purpose for me? Why does God let me stay here? I, I don't think James is unusual because it's often when somebody goes through a tough bout with cancer. And, and they find themselves on the other side of it in remission. And it's not, it's not unusual for them to say to me as their pastor, Pastor Rick, why do you think God let me live? Why do you think God gave me another chance? Why do you think I'm still hanging around? There must be a reason. He must have a purpose or he would have taken me. So what do you think it is? What is my purpose for being here? I, I, I think what, what I'm hearing in, in those people is, is a thirst and, and a hunger to know that life has meaning and that our lives have purpose and that you don't just come into the world and, and watch some football and, and eat some ice cream and, and just die. Surely, there's a reason that I exist. Do you know that I never hear Jesus struggle to understand his purpose? No, when I open the Bible and I listen to the words of Jesus, you know what Jesus says? He says things like, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? I understand why I'm here. My life has purpose. My life has meaning. I'm here to finish the work of him who sent me. So, so let me chat with you a little bit about this festival that they're attending and what happened there, okay? I, th I think it's kind of a neat story. So Mary and Joseph go every year to the festival of Passover. Do you remember what Passover is? Uh, Passover is given its name because when Pharaoh was being challenged by Moses to let the Israelites go out of bondage and slavery, there were all of these plagues hitting them. One was, every firstborn male in your house will die. And so the instructions were, take the blood of an animal and put it on your doorframe. And when the death angel comes, they will see the blood and they will pass over your house. And the firstborn male in your family will not die. Thus called Passover. The death angel will pass over your house. And so God says, I want you to celebrate the festival because I don't want you ever to forget that I delivered you from bondage and slavery. So there were three festivals that the Jewish people would go to Jerusalem every year to celebrate. The festival of Passover, the festival of weeks, and the festival of tabernacles. And God says, I want you to go there and celebrate because I don't want you to ever forget 
what I've done for you. And so, just think about it a little bit. It it, it was the holidays. A lot of you took trips. We took a little trip. We drove to Nashville and then we drove from there to Kentucky and then to Cincinnati and then kind of back. And so when we take a trip like that, we might bring some snacks along in the car. So these people didn't have cars. In fact, they didn't have horses or donkeys probably to ride. How did they get there? They walked. And so they took food. And so I love it when I travel with Morgan because I'm not really up on music. And so she just plugs her iPhone into the car and she just starts playing all this music for me. And I kind of catch up a little bit on what's, what's being played and what people are singing. But if they wanted music, they had to sing those songs themselves. And so they did. In fact, Psalms 120 through 140, I'm sorry, through 134 are called the Psalms of Ascent. And because Jerusalem is typographically elevated, as they traveled up to Jerusalem, they would sing those songs called the Songs of Ascent. And so here you got this caravan of people, relatives, family, friends, and they're all walking together. Maybe they got a donkey or two that are carrying the supplies and they're going to Jerusalem. For Joseph and Mary, it was an 80-mile journey. And they got family and friends traveling with them and they're singing songs and they travel to Jerusalem. And so on the way home, they don't know where Jesus is. Oh, he's probably up ahead of us with some of our family or some of our relatives. And so they traveled for a full day, and then they realized he wasn't there. You you guys ever do vacations with other families, and you like got three cars going together? We did this when our kids were younger. You got three cars traveling together, and the first time you stop at a gas station to gas up and to get a snack, what happens? A couple of your kids jump out and say, I'm going with them, and a couple of other kids hop in your car. You know how that works? And so if it were us, what would we do? We would just call our kids on their phone, wouldn't we? On the phone that we so graciously provide. <laughs> on the phone that we so graciously provide and that they so seldomly answer when we call them. Yeah. Where are you? Whose car are you in? But they didn't have a phone. And so for a full day they travel and then the next day they travel back and on the third day they find Jesus in the temple courts. Um, Mason, can you jump up and run up here real quick and stand beside me? Mason is a great little guy that I'm just getting to know. And uh, I thought if I had Mason to stand by me, that it would make a lot of sense to us. Because Mason, how old are you? 12 years old. How's your girlfriend? Is she good? You don't have a girlfriend. Okay, so Mason's 12 years old. How long have you been 12? When's your birthday? October 15th. October, my birthday is October 17th. Get out. All right. But, but Mason is 12. And so you understand that when Mason uh, turned 12 back in October, uh, that's the age that Jesus was when we're in the story. And so when, when they come looking for Jesus, Jesus says to his mother, didn't you not know that I had to be about my father's business? What, what happens, Mason, in the story is that it says that Jesus was listening to the teachers and then that everybody was amazed at the answers that Jesus was giving. And so, I don't know about you, but it does something for me. It changes me. When I, when I look at Mason here, and Jesus probably didn't have this color of hair and he probably didn't have these glasses, but he was the same age as Mason, and, and that, that it was this age when people were being astonished and that Jesus was able to articulately, articulate rather 
This is my purpose in life. My purpose is to be in my father's house. I grew up and I memorized the verse. My purpose is to be about my father's business. Probably it more literally reads, to be about the things of my father. And so, young Jesus, at age 12, says, I'm not confused about my purpose. I know what I'm here to do. Thank you, buddy, for coming up and standing beside me. Do, do, do you understand that your purpose in life is to share the purpose of Jesus? To be concerned about the things the Father is concerned about. Your purpose is to be about your Father's business. You are not created without purpose. God made you. He put you on this earth. And He put you here so that you would know Him and love Him and serve Him and obey Him and be concerned about the things that God is concerned about. Every day of your life, when you get out of bed, you have purpose and you have meaning. And so Jesus says it this way, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Do what I've done. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Because I want you to become like me. We were leaving, uh, we were leaving Nashville um, on Thursday to drive back to Oklahoma City. And as we're driving, it's about a 10-hour drive. And, um, and every time I looked in my rearview mirror, there was my, my mother-in-law in her car behind us. And my sister-in-law. So I'm driving and I check my rearview and there they are. My mother-in-law right on my bumper. I'm thinking this is not a good way to start your new year. This is not... No, I'm, cutting up. I always love to tease her. She's here. But I've been teasing her pretty hard. And uh, so she told me last night because I've been so unkind to her that she's staying an extra day and she was serious. So I blew it. What do you think about when you think about starting a new year? Anybody think things like, I need to read more. I mean, I need to grow in, in wisdom. I need to I need to grow intellectually. Anybody thinking about physical things? I need to lose a little Christmas weight. I need to get in better physical shape. I'd like to testify right here if I could. Uh, anybody saying, um, you know, I need to, I need to grow a, as a friend. I need to be a better friend to my friends, to my family. Anybody saying I need to grow spiritually? Because here's what happens. In the very last verse, it says that Jesus grew in wisdom, intellectually, in stature, physically, in favor with man, socially, and in favor with God, spiritually. But you know what all that was about? I have a mission to fulfill. There's something that God wants me to do. And I'm going to do that. Let me, let me kind of wrap up here in the next few minutes, okay? Let me just chat with you. I have a friend whose name is Steve. And, 
And just to put it lightly, he is, he is crass. He doesn't say things with a lot of sensitivity. He'll hurt your feelings, but he doesn't care. He kind of likes doing that. And, and I remember when we were young, he came over to my house one day. And I mean when we were first married, when young. And, and I'm sitting at the kitchen table and I've been paying bills. And so my checkbook's laying there, calendar's laying there. And we get into this conversation about what's important in your life. You know what Steve says to me? You want to talk about what's important? Give me that checkbook right there. I'll tell you what's important to you. And I, and I remember not being excited about his tone. Hey, give me that calendar right there. I'll tell you what's important in your life, buddy. Hand me the checkbook. I'm serious. I'll tell you what matters to you. I can make you a list in a minute. And, and I didn't like him being so crass, but, but the sting, the sting of the truth of what he was saying got my attention. So Rick, what are, you, what are you trying to say to us today? We went through this series a few weeks ago. You know, we talked about becoming like Jesus and my relationship with the Father. And I think a lot of us said, yeah, I want to be more like Jesus and my relationship with the Father. But if we say those words and we walk out of here and we don't carve out any time to spend time in prayer and to spend time in the Word and to live our lives in obedience to the Father, then we're not showing anybody the money. We're just talking. If I say, yeah, I want to become like Jesus in my relationships with believers, but if I'm not investing in you, and I'm not spending time praying for believers, and I'm not looking at God's Word with you, and I'm not, you know, having that kind of relationship, then I'm just talking. And I can come in here on Sunday morning and say, yeah, I want to become like Jesus in my relationships with others, people who don't know Jesus, sinners. But if I'm not making any attempt to get to know somebody who doesn't know Jesus, and I'm not praying for them and carrying them to the Father, I'm, I'm talking about being intentional. You want to be about the Father's business because that's your purpose. You want to concern yourself with the things that concern the Father? Let me tell you what's important to the Father. He's got a lot of things to teach you and a lot of things to say to you. But if you get up in the morning and you run out your door and you never pause to open His Word or to pray, you're not going to learn those things. Here's how it works for me. It works differently for you, I'm sure. But when I get up in the morning, the first thing I need to do is pick up my Bible and a pair of glasses, and I need to find a place to spend time in God's Word. If I don't, my day just kind of gets eaten away. You know what's important to the Father? Lost people are important to the Father. And if you want to concern yourself with the things of the Father, and if you want to fulfill your purpose in this world, why God created you, why God has you here, then you've got to build some relationships with people who do not know Jesus. And you've got to pray for those people. Annette and I spend a lot of time with Christians. And we have to be intentional about spending time with people who don't know Jesus. And God's put a couple in our lives right now that we're trying to spend time with. 
And if we ever get them to walk through these doors, you're going to know who they are. I mean, they're interesting folks. You know what's important to the Father? He's got people sitting in this room this morning who are stumbling. They're not doing so well. They're not making it in this Christian walk and they need somebody to come along beside them and to pray with them and to point out the Scripture and God's Word to them and to lift them up in prayer and to walk beside them in this journey of faith. That's the Father's business. It's just a simple challenge this morning to say, Fulfill the purpose that God created you for. See, I'm, I'm looking at people right now going, Rick, I've tried. I mean, I've, you know, I've come to New Year's and I've said, I'm going to do better and I haven't. Well, then take a really bold step and go to perspectives if it's evangelism that you need. Maybe you need training. Mikkel talked about a lot of classes this morning that are being offered starting... This Wednesday night, take a bold step and say, I've tried before and I've fallen flat. I said I would do better. I didn't. Maybe I need somebody investing in my life. Maybe I need some new knowledge. Maybe I need to spend some time working on this stuff. And so we didn't get up and talk about all that stuff this morning just to take up time. We believe it has real value for your journey with God. You were created by the Father for a reason. He placed you here to serve Him and know Him and love Him and be obedient to Him and to be concerned with the things that He is concerned about. Your life is not without meaning and purpose. So to do this, we need a lot of grace, don't we? We need a lot of help from Jesus, right? And so we're going to receive communion this morning. And even as you take that bread and you eat it and you take that juice and you drink it, the idea is in that moment that you are receiving the grace and the help of Jesus. So it's a prayer that you pray, Jesus, I receive your mercy. I receive your grace. I receive your help. And so come, those of you who are going to serve us, would you do that? Let me just give you a little instruction, okay? When you receive the elements, would you just hold them in your hand? Until everybody has received them and we will all eat and drink together, okay? And the other thing that I want to say to you is simply this, that you don't have to be a member of our local church to receive communion with us. The thing that I would caution you about is that, that be sincere. And, and if you're not sincerely seeking Jesus in this moment, don't, don't feel an obligation to receive the elements. It's okay to pass them by you. So would you stand with me? And our people will serve you. And hold the elements, and in a moment we will receive them together, okay?
said, this is my body that is broken for you. Eat it. And he took the cup and he said to his disciples, this is my blood of the new covenant. Drink it, all of you. And so it is for grace that we pray. We call on your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. We're going to worship with a song. If you want to hang around, feel free. Go as you need to go. If you want to come to the altar and pray this morning, um, there's one family I really want to pray with today. Feel free to do that. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.